Thank you very much. Good afternoon in the United States, in Tennessee. Good evening in Budapest and Bucharest. It is an honor and uh, a joy for me uh, to uh, co-host together with uh, you, Rick, this uh, uh, wonderful uh, show, Poets of the East. And I would like to mention, I would like to specify that someone once asked, uh, what that means East? Do we belong to when living in Central Europe or in Europe, do we belong to the magical East, to the Orient? I think, and actually we talked about this, Rick, that anywhere we are on the earth, there is a point, there is a, there is a zone, a region more Eastern, more on the East than we are. So actually the East is more or less metaphorically the whole world, as you put it so beautifully once, which should be the country, which should be the realm of each poet. Uh, for today's episode, uh, we have wonderful Hungarian poets, uh, really uh, some of the best which, uh, uh, which, are, which, exist, which do exist now in uh, Hungary, Central Europe and in the world. Uh, we have the honor and the joy to uh, present here uh, four very important names respectively uh, Terek, uh, Cornelia Deres, Peter Zavoda, and Otilo Bolas. Um, as uh, Otilo uh, couldn't take part because of health reasons to our record session, uh, he will be introduced by Mr. Sandor uh, Holmoshi, scholar and uh, literary critic, poet, uh, poet himself. Each of those uh, great poets are going to shortly introduce themselves uh, before reading uh, their poetry in English and then at the end also in uh, Hungarian. Um, but I would like maybe uh, to fulfill a little bit uh, about each of them, uh, especially uh, concerning their uh, stylistics. Um, I know, Rick, that you are always of this principle that uh, ladies first, we should start with ladies, and that's what I'm going uh, to do also. Beres uh, Cornelia is a poet, writer, and a theater scholar. Uh, she published until now two poetry collections, one monography, uh, one children's book, and she's the editor, editor of several literary and uh, academic volumes. She's also a scholar, 
lecturer at the Aalte University uh, and also a Humboldt Research Fellow at the University of Cologne. So besides of being a writer, she has also an impressive uh, career of uh, academic career, career of uh, university professor. Um, she's also a editor at uh, several cultural journals. I would mention here Kulter.hu, E-H-U, uh, the literary journal Neged, which in uh, English means quarter, and uh, she also wrote the theater book Serious uh, Scene Text. She's running also a workshop for young poets, a uh, workshop called Um, and uh, also the uh, workshop Rock Pop 3 for young writers of theater and the literature. Um, so we can see that today's poets are not only excellent writers themselves, but even if they are quite young, they are taking place, they are taking care also about uh, of the uh, writers which are younger than them and they are helping the young generations uh, to become good writers to learn, uh, to learn how to write. Impressive is also the list of languages into uh, which um, Cornelia, Cornelia Deresh's um, creation was uh, translated. It is English, German, Czech, Polish, Serbian, uh, also among other languages. So also uh, she is a real universal poet, uh, Hungarian, Central European and universal poet. Um, the second lady which uh, is going to be present here with us is Ono Terek. Uh, she was born in Bačka Topola, Vojvodina, Yugoslavia. So actually, she belongs to the Hungarian minority in uh, in Serbia. Uh, she is also not an ex only an excellent poet, but also a bridge between the Hungarian and uh, uh, Serb and Croatian uh, cultures. She is translating very much. Uh, she graduated elementary school uh, in her hometown and secondary school in uh, the city of Subotica in uh, Serbia, then she moved to Budapest, when she graduated in psychology and uh, psychology counseling uh, at Utrecht uh, Laurent University. Then since uh, that time, she is working as a school psychologist in Bucharest. Um, her debut album, Interrupted Smile, in uh, Hungarian Mosoi Sokodash, uh, was released in 2000, 2007. Um, Duna Utso, that means Duna Street, followed in 2011. Uh, she got the Erwin Singo Prize for this in the same year. Um, then she started writing also theater. In uh, She uh, wrote an excellent uh, play uh, write, uh, called Make the Best Appear, which uh, was premiered in Serbia in 2013 um, at the National Theater in Novi Sad. And, uh, in 2016, she published her drama Wedding Celebration in Vojvodina. Uh, uh, an excellent poetry collection followed in spring 2017 called Dead Women, a really impressive collection about the destiny of, uh, uh, of women uh, in the contemporary, uh, in the contemporary uh, era. Then we have, uh, uh, then we have uh, Zavodo Peter, also one of the uh, best, one of the greatest Hungarian uh, poets now. Um, he studied English and Italian at Elte University, as well as theater studies at the Karuj Gaspar Protestant University in Budapest. He was a part of, the, of a very successful rap and slam poetry group called Okesdet PPI, 
before turning his primary focus to poetry and theater. Um, his first collection of poems uh, appeared in uh, 2000, uh, 2012 uh, in English translation. It's called Where, Where It Breaks, or Hol Mexocod. Um, his second, uh, Limestone, in 2015 in Hungarian Mass. And the third one, uh, we have appeared in 2017 uh, and uh, was awarded the Horvath Peter Literary Scholarship, one of the most prestigious in Hungary. And uh, in summer 2018, he was appointed residence at the Literarisches Colloquium Berlin. Uh, his poems have been translated into English and, uh, and uh, German. He also writes uh, excellent theater plays. I would mention, for instance, uh, I am the Amphitryon, uh, his third individual play for which he was awarded the Sepp Erne Prize. Uh, maybe before letting the voice, before letting the floor for the, for, to the poets uh, themselves to make making a short comment on the focus, on the um, uh, thematic and stylistic focus of Zavodos Peter's poetry, which uh, has developed uh, significantly uh, during uh, his career. He started with uh, more playful poems, searching for form, uh, while his second collection was dominated by themes of mourning and mourning and uh, and loss. Whilst his more recent poets are focused on greater, more universal themes, counterpoised with the precision, uh, both conceptual and linguistic, of science and its uh, terminology. Therefore, uh, themes as broad as Greek mythology and Christology are connected to biology and geometry, uh, and his poetry is shifting the boundaries uh, in ways that, uh, while not necessarily immediately noticeable, will affect the reader subtly uh, in time. Uh, there will be a larger comment on uh, Otilo Bolos uh, by Mr. Shandor, uh, Shandor Holmoshi. I only want to stress that, in a, cer in a certain sense, like each of our guests, Otilo Bolos is a bridge between a lot of cultures in Central Europe. He's born in Romania, he lives in Slovak Republic, he belongs to the Writers' Union of Slovak Republic, he's translated a lot of uh, uh, Hungarian uh, poets uh, into Romanian and by reverse. Um, he is uh, he connects he is connecting uh, also um, a Serbian a Hungarian uh, Slovak and uh, Romanian culture himself as a poet has been translated into many languages uh, even this year he's going to launch his uh, fourth if I'm not wrong um, um, fourth collection in English in the United States uh, of America so in short very important personalities of the Hungarian poetry of the Central European culture uh, and personalities which in the same time are also connecting these Central European cultures, which have, even if each of them is individually very beautiful, uh, they live there in a really harmonious variety, and uh, our today's guests contribute to putting together uh, this, to, uh, to keeping together this variety. So let us listen now to the poets themselves, to their wonderful poetry. Thank you very much, Rick Spisak, for your love for poetry all in all and for your generosity of focusing uh, sometimes also on Central Europe. My brother, thank you for that marvelous introduction. And now, the poetry. 
Please, my brother, go ahead, launch us on this journey. And as we get joined, we'll be joined. But we have some marvelous voices, some marvelous hearts here from Hungary. Please be my guest and let us begin. So I would suggest that we start, if everybody agrees. And, uh, <coughs> sorry. And uh, when, uh, when Andre will have the technical possibility he will he will join us as he has the he has the 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 link yeah. so uh, first of all i thank you thank you for your agreement so with god and rick forward so uh, ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for uh, accepting our invitations our invitation and uh, welcome uh, to this uh, new recording session uh, of a new episode within the series Poets of the East, uh, initiated and uh, produced by uh, uh, Rick Spisak here, a uh, very enthusiastic, excellent, uh, and excellent uh, radio producer, plastic artist, and poet. Uh, therefore, he loves poetry so much. I will explain a little bit later his connection with uh, Central Europe, which is uh, as strong as, uh, uh, as mine. Um, I would like to thank thank you very much, all of you, this uh, constellation of great Hungarian poets for uh, uh, for uh, partaging uh, your time, your energy. Uh, as you, I know very well, you are you are invited uh, everywhere. You have a lot of things to do. Nevertheless, you uh, found a little time to uh, take part to this to our uh, to our recording session, and we are very grateful to you. Uh, to you for this. I want to thank also Rick Spisak for his uh, enthusiasm and his love for poetry and for uh, and for uh, Central Europe. Um, unfortunately, uh, Miss Koli uh, uh, Agnes wasn't able to come, and uh, Mr. Bolos Otilo is ill uh, instead of him. We have uh, here, and I want to. Uh, I want to welcome him, Mr. Halmoshi Shandor. Welcome, uh, uh, welcome here. Uh, and uh, I want also to uh, warmly uh, welcome the rest of our uh, special and brilliant guests, uh, Mrs. Cornelia Derek, Mrs. Anna Terek, and Mr. Peter Peter Zavata. Um, uh, three great international, universal poets coming from Hungary or writing in Hungarian. Uh, in Hungarian language. Welcome. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for uh, for being here. I won't talk any longer. I wa I don't want to take from your minutes, from your time. Um, I would kindly ask you to uh, introduce yourselves and to say what it is, what you think is more important about each of you. Concerning me, I will only add something I think you all have in common besides the fact that you are all great uh, Hungarian poets you uh, you have also university you have also preoccupations in the uh, universe uh, in the university teaching um, uh, uh, some of you are also writing uh, theater plays um, and what it is you are translated in uh, many languages in many uh, languages in Europe and across uh, and uh, also across uh, the ocean and uh, what's very important all of you are taking part in activities for uh, 
for uh, preparing the young generations of poets for learning, for uh, uh, for uh, getting into this very uh, very complicated, very wonderful but very complicated magic of uh, magic of poetry. Um, in those, thus ensuring the future for the uh, for the uh, for the literature for the uh, for the uh, for the poetry. Uh, maybe to mention also to mention still that um, that um, initially it was meant like this that as um, Central Europe is a very uh, various region with a very a lot of peculiar uh, uh, features but in the same time as there are a lot of things which are uniting us um, it is uh, quite uh, it is quite common that let's say a Czech poet lives in Poland that a Slovak doctor works in Austria that a Hungarian poet could live or could be born in Hungary in Slovakia in Romania or in Serbia in Vojvodina and this was the idea initially to invite uh, Hungarian poets which belong to uh, this Central European culture as Hungarian culture is something, one of the elements which geographically and historically uh, belongs to what unites uh, this uh, wonderful region of uh, Central Europe. Okay, I promised not to talk long. Uh, I apologize, I didn't keep my promise. So, ladies and gentlemen, please, the floor is yours, uh, and uh, please uh, decide yourselves the order you would like to uh, you would like to uh, you'd like to start. Uh, Mr. Shandor is going to uh, to speak in behalf of uh, Mr. Bolash. Um, so, practically, uh, practically, um, uh, four countries where Hungarian culture is uh, present are uh, are represented here. So who would like to start? Not everybody, please. Let, let, me, let me help and say, ladies first, and may I start with, to my right, Cornelia, would you start? Sure. Um, so many, many thanks, first of all, Mircea and Rick, for having Um, my name is Cornelia Deresh, and I'm a poet, a writer, and also a theater and performance studies scholar. And I have just returned from Cologne, Germany, where I spent a year as a postdoc research fellow at the University of Cologne and its theater collection. Uh, and I'm uh, currently uh, working as a lecturer as, uh, at uh, Alta University, uh, Budapest. And um, I, I kind of guess that this division, uh, me being a writer as a and a researcher, uh, quite accurately represents my duality, or I don't want to say bipolarity, but maybe that would work as well. Uh, and I'm also an editor at uh, various literary journals. Um, actually, we are running one uh, entitled Quarter, together with Peter Zavada here. Uh, and I'm also running several uh, creative writing uh, workshops for young authors. Um, and uh, today I started thinking uh, how much I identify myself with this intriguing title, Poets of the East, 
the MI, of course, of the East. Is that the way how I would uh, think of myself, how I would introduce myself? Uh, because, you know, the East um, has a somewhat mystical characteristic, I would say, a somewhat distant, unknown quality, like, a, I don't know, a weird sibling or a relative that you're kind of curious of, but uh, you don't really want to sit next to her at the dinner table. Uh, and then I, I realized that actually uh, I am coming from the eastern part of Hungary itself, the northern eastern part, um, which is an area that you can call industrial uh, because it was one of the center for steel industry uh, in the state, uh, state socialist era. And after 89, when the many factories started to uh, close its doors uh, and the area itself uh, started to shrink gradually, uh, and actually it left uh, many locals impoverished. Uh, so that is uh, my origin, the area of, of um, uh, when I was, I was born and socialized. Uh, and actually my first journal publication was situated within this area uh, because I was 16 uh, when a short story of mine was published in a literary journal based in my home city, Mishkos. Uh, and it is interesting because I, I started with short stories, but uh, I would say that in the last 15 years uh, I was committed uh, to poetry. Uh, anyhow, and my, uh, my first book was published in 2011 uh, with the title Periclo's Father. And this title um, referred to the quite well-known um, experiment with the monkeys. Uh, when the baby monkeys uh, were taken away from their mothers uh, and they were offered afterwards uh, two types of mothers, none of them were alive, uh, a wire mother with the food and the uh, furry mother made of terry cloth. Um, and um, the, the outcome of the experiment was uh, the baby monkeys uh, chose uh, the furry mother. And for me it represented uh, something to do with the physical intimacy, the um, and, the, and the relationship of um, the parents and, and their children. Um, and actually the book, my book, was focused on a story of a dark father figure. Um, and I tried to play with uh, interconnecting the various narratives uh, and languages, the narrative of a child, uh, of a teenager, and of a young adult. Um, so that, that was the idea behind the book, and it was uh, published by uh, the Association for Emerging Hungarian Writers called Josef Attila Circle. Um, and afterwards, this book was awarded with a Best Poetry Debut Prize. Um, and then I emerged into my doctoral studies, and I writing my dissertation, and then published it uh, in a book format as well. And it was about intermediality and uh, contemporary theater and performance in Hungary, Europe, and the US. Uh, and I guess that was the reason uh, why my, my second book uh, came six um, years late after the first one. Uh, it was published in 2017 uh, with the title Crack of the Puppet. It's not an accurate translation, but it is from me, coming from me. Um, and this volume uh, focused on uh, the um, interconnections of um, degenerative brain diseases, uh, planetary realms, so inner and outer worlds, um, and um, actually the topic of uh, the home city, uh, the topic of feeling home, uh, feeling heimlich, as the German would say, uh, was in the central as well. And why I wanted to talk a little bit about these two books uh, is that uh, because it's kind of funny, I don't think I have English translations from these books. 
because all of the translations, which was made by the great um, translator, young translator, Timel Shiposh, uh, are poems uh, that are going to be part of my third book, uh, which is coming in 2022 uh, with the title Box. And this box ideally uh, refers to both the item and to how it is possible to break out of certain boxes that uh, are created uh, around us, uh, and as well as to the sport, uh, because it is, so the, the, the poems are full of fight, I would say. Um, and uh, the English translations of my poems um, can be read uh, in a number of uh, literary journals, including Asymptote, uh, Eurolit, Crunt, and soon Denver Quarterly. Um, and actually, they also could be listened to uh, in the videos of the European Poetry Festival. Uh, this is quite a large-scale event founded and organized by the British poet Stephen J. Fowler. Uh, and last year, we got an invitation together with uh, King of Thoughts and Peter Zavada. Um, and of course, because of the pandemic, it could not take place. Uh, but instead of the event uh, in London, we created an experimental poetry film with the title The Hungarian Vacuum. And it is in English and it is available on YouTube. So um, that would be my introductory part. Sorry if it was a little bit longer. Uh, and now I'm going to read some of my, uh, some of my poems. So the first one is with the title, Aquatic Creatures. You don't need more than the perfect broken angle of the sun. Let there be dreams and let the sun blaze the white flagstones. Beyond the lounge chair, a three-person sized tub or pool. In them, finned creatures from a bygone era, dolphins, I believe. They bind themselves to unacknowledged pains. From this angle, the sun grazes the top of the head, proportionate tingling. We are getting ready to detach. Systemic problems do not end at the ego's borders. Repeated trauma, they call it. The slippery ones make themselves at home in cerebrospinal fluid, ruthless splashing takes place there. Them fish. To capture them is butcher's work. They do not long for tubs. It hurts them to look at reflectors, to be lingual. I take the ocean from them, the blue and the ability to hide. We cannot lift so many in one head anyway. Clear-sighted heat comes for them. Gutted fish. You swim out from under the nape into quotation marks and beyond. Um, the second poem is going with the title Binding Orders. A spaceship to worn down teeth. I fly inside the body, again. A moist cave, this mouth. For this, they do not give any words that are free. My new assignment is to observe those who live here, who chew to bloody bits my sleep. Is this the past, or is it still the future? 
Here I meet my young mother and a Terry satyr. Please be so kind as to exit my story. What are they doing hiding amongst my worn down thieves? My young mother is brave, quick to laugh. The star of a Czechoslovakian film, in your dreams she herds game. One of them is me, the snow white and the bare brown. I try to enunciate, but the words do not come. I choke. The satyr just wails in the background like a run-down jiggly car. I slap him, even though I can't see the monkey in him yet. My young mother and the, and the satyr wish to stay here too, under the tongue. My solution is routine, carefree. In the evenings, I shed my teeth. At least someone can finally escape. Thank you. And um, I would have a, a third one, uh, the last one. Uh, it is um, with the title Spectator Zero Shadow. Relax your tongue. A caravan parks in front of consciousness. Monkey heads wrapped in poor noses, owl beak smeared in red, buffalo panting, badger tunic, totem cackle. The ritual in standard time. Red to the dark faced little siblings follow demand. Ego huddled into a military unit. Live broadcast from the subconscious. Just who will I fall apart for? For whom will I finally write something nice, mechanical? Relax your tongue. Breathe. It's only the shadow technology making you so uh, making you look so big, gigantic. You fumble with words, like someone whose face is too wide. You are a paper fan, shutters Venetian blinds. You govern cerebral roadways. Poetic trash is invoked. Someone banished you from here, shadow. Even though you saw me before the tongue would have sat on the throne. Archaic animal, spectator zero, crumple-headed, pitchfork traveler. Thank you very much. Very nice. Uh, very nice. Um, I, I thought that maybe um, if we would have time, maybe towards the end, I can read a Hungarian one from my side as well, but I would like to um, let the others uh, talk and read as well. Thank you. You're very welcome. Um, thank, thank you very much. Really, really wonderful poems. Um, I think one of them, uh, I, kn I knew one of them, I think the last one, uh, from Romanian translation, I think Andrei Dosha or Mihok Tamas translated it. Uh, I'm not sure which, uh, which of them, but they are our most active translators from Hungarian and also from Romanian into, uh, into Hungarian. Um, yes, probably it's Tamas. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's Tommy uh, really, um, uh, and uh, I wanted to stress a little bit the fact that uh, Rick and me we are we feel very connected to Central Europe also because of 
personal reasons as I spend half of my time in the Czech Republic and myself as a poet I write in Czech and Rick uh, has Slovak ancestors actually his uh, grandfather grandparents uh, immigrated into the United States and uh, he still has that very Moravian Slovak Central European soul uh, uh, which makes uh, one of the another feature that unites this uh, region, uh, this specific. Uh, I had a teacher uh, during the university at Prague, which told us in Central Europe we are all Moravians. So um, I would like another Moravian among us to continue with uh, uh, with uh, with their their poetry and as the most uh, important Moravian here is Rick I would like him to uh, I would like him to nominate the person to uh, to continue well again I am if anything uh, so honored and pleased to have you all with us and I wish you could all be first but the gentleman in within me says please Anna if you would continue our charming women first Anna, please. I was sure, therefore I asked Rick to do it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I just forgot to unmute me. I would like to thank you for the invitation, and I am so glad to be here. Uh, I am. My name is Anna Terik. I was born, born in Yugoslavia, uh, in Bačka Topola. This is a small town in the part of Vojvodina. Uh, I was raised up there. I went for the elementary and the high school. There I uh, moved into Budapest when I was 19 years old. I started the university here. I get my diploma. I gradu graduated in psychology in the University of Utrecht-Lorand here in Budapest. And I'm working here now as a school psychologist in an elementary school. I really love that work, love that job. And I started to write poems when I was 12 or 30, something like that. And after the high school, I started to write again. I mean, that was the, the, the next part of the starting of the writing. My first book, I wrote all my books here to show it because I love, love all my covers. All my covers are made by my best friend, Laszlo Antar. So this was my first book, the really same book, with the title Tear of the Smile. It was uh, published in 2007. After that, I wrote Street Danube. I hope it's, you can see it. Maybe it's better now. And... Uh, it was written when I already lived in, in, in Hungary, in Budapest. After that, I wrote Dead Women, which one is translated into German and into Croatian, and the Polish translation will be published this month or next month. Uh, after all these, I write my drama book. This is the, with the title Voivodinian Wedding. It's uh, some kind of strange comedy, and this <laughs> one <was> <laughs> <laughs> really. 
<laughs> it's really a dark comedy. <laughs> this is my last book, uh, Back on the Sun, with the title Back on the Sun. So I, I can cannot fluently speak English as well as Cornelia does. So I start to read my poem. That this this will be the best. Uh, it was very good, okay, and you had also your, your books with you. It was a very good <laughs> idea. I forgot about it. I would have brought myself my, my books too, but I forgot about it. Yes, but I can hide <laughs> behind them if I'm showing it. <laughs> so the title is Elsewhere and translated by George Sirtes. The first time I cried was in the Pushkin, movie, uh, Pushkin cinema in Pest. I had gone there to watch some silly film, a ridiculous comedy since others were sold out, and I didn't have the money. And the six other people there in the movie were laughing, while, te while tears ran down my face in long streaks right down, on my, right down my neck and into my cleavage. I was already in tears when buying my tickets, but the woman at the cash desk did not look me in the eye, which was the first time I was glad of this, since I was still hoping to catch somebody's eye in Pest. I would have liked one, anyone, to stop me in the street and ask me what was the matter, or at least to look at me. It had taken me years to understand that here I wasn't even a guest, but a social problem, the product of some international bust-up, and it helps if a problem has neither eyes nor ears. You just got to deal with it. When the tram took a bend or gently applied the brakes, men did not come for the woman. woman did not touch their shoulders. There was no accidental contact. Men didn't look at women in Pest, or they, or when they did catch one's eyes, they looked ashamed of it, as if women didn't know, as if they shouldn't be looking at women, and only workmen felt obliged to whistle at them in Pest. The men were strange creatures, the women as strange. And I, a girl from the Serbian province, Thought for a while, thought for a while that I was an object of interest rather than fear. But Hungarian boys hung back when I told where I was from, and at the university they said I was Serbian, which was a joke at first. I laughed at their ignorance and felt faintly superior. One time I talked to a local boy, who, every, who like every boy in Pest, pretended to be intelligent and tried to hide his genuine charm and fury behind his his throne of anxious anxiety, which was <laughs> clever talk. He asked me what it was like in the war, and I told him about things that were perfectly normal to me, about, em about em empty shelves, Christmas without Christmas trees, peekaboo power cuts, windows shaken by detonations, and he gave me a long look, as if he wanted to understand my feelings, and asked, did you kill any Bosnians? At the university, they told me I must have faked the information on my documents, because despite the fact that my name is Terek, without this directives in my passport, had me down as Terek. I laughed at this and told them that in Serbian they don't use accents, but in spite of that, I myself pronounce it with an accent. Stop laughing, they said. They should really call the police, and I should be happy that they were so lenient with me. An American student next to me asked for his student card, and strangely enough, he did not pronounce his name phonetically as it was written, and just as strangely, let them, they let him go. 
After that, I found myself crying in all parts of Pest, in the Vibe, in the Ice Ring, at Hüversford, on the Metro, on the chair, Chairlift, in Moscow Square, on the Chain Bridge, chain bridge in Zuglo, in Kurbanya, at the Astoria, in the Rain, in City Park, in Bright Sunshine, and nobody looked at me. They all looked past me. There is no looking in this city, no way of looking beyond it. There should be a way out, but you see no escape route. Then after a while, the tears stopped running right down my face. Their tracks grew shorter. I no longer searched for an eye to engage with and or loved at being mocked as a Serbian. I could avoid it. I don't say where I am from because I don't know where I am going or where I belong. They like to guess, could it be that I'm not Hungarian after all? I have lost the air with the diacritic. I am beginning to lose my accent left with any, a few interposed Serbian words, and some swearing, swearing to indicate that I'm not fully Hungarian. <laughs> no longer can they tell by looking at me that I'm just a splinter of what was, was once Hugo, and no one would guess that I can't go anywhere without a visa, or that when I cross the border they closely examine, examine each piece of my folded underwear. They can't tell by looking at me that I can barely afford to live in and that when I return, no job will await me. But even when I nailed up and crucified something about my body, will scream, she's a foreigner. foreigner. I can no longer slip into the scenery in Subotica. Even the mud rejects my footprints. I no longer recognize every square matter in the main square, or how many, or know how many dinars it costs cost for a loaf of bread or a liter of milk. No longer can I take pleasure in the screams of the Serbians and, fri and I'm frightened when I see men fighting in the streets. The little wood, the gentle movement of air are no longer mine. It bothers me when I can't buy salted pretzels just where I like at half past four in the morning, that I have to wait longer than 10 minutes for a bus to town, that the buildings are not so high, people are just as bad at home, but now on account of a different accent. I no longer have my own official language, and my culture is all mixed up. It no longer matters what language I use to buy bread in or that my lover tells me in Hungarian that he wants me. It's all the same to me now whether Christmas is or is not in December, or on what particular day New, New Year falls. It's all, the sa it's all the same to me now that nationality they call me, though it would be nice to be somewhere where I can really be a foreigner. That was part one. Uh, Misha, you want to talk for a minute or two about what we've heard so far from the two lovely poets? Well, I have to admit, I am so impressed about it that even if I felt like giving that information at the beginning, an informa information that was partially uh, repeated by our poets, I would have better uh, talked less and let them talk longer with their wonderful poetry. Uh, there are two uh, complementary poets, uh, lady poets, uh, which uh, incorporate on one hand the intellectual dimension of the contemporary Hungarian poetry, Deres uh, Cornelia, and uh, the sensitive, the sensible part of it, Terek uh, Ana, Terek Ono with uh, 
that nostalgia uh, for the uh, for the um, individual and the national identity as so sensibly was uh, coming out from was the result resulting from this uh, wonderful uh, poem in prose as I could say she wrote us uh, called uh, called viewer zero or uh, spectator uh, spectator zero. Um, I'm very happy that uh, they were able to participate to take part to uh, to our program and um, and uh, I think it's, uh, it is uh, it is a real uh, a real plus for this uh, for this really uh, really special uh, really special uh, episode. Okay, you ready for part 2? Okay, so <clears throat> the second part should contain as far as I remember the gentleman, right? Uh, That's Peter and uh, and Shandor uh, Shandor Halmoshi, who is going to talk in behalf of uh, Bolos Otilo and all in all of the Hungarian literature in uh, Central Europe. Um, I think the ba- basic information give, uh, being uh, being given, let them introduce themselves, let their poetry uh, uh, present and uh, uh, introduce this fantastic atmosphere of uh, Central Europe, of the Central European uh, culture, and uh, in our case, in our case, poetry, an atmosphere with uh, which uh, Rick, I think, is as uh, much uh, ours as it is uh, it is theirs, because uh, both of us, as I try as by trying to explain during the recording session, uh, feel close to it and keep in our souls the burning flame of this uh, of this very dynamic and wonderful. Uh, geographical, historic, historical, and cultural part of the world, which is Central Europe. Now, Peter Zavodo, uh, Zavodo Peter, and Peter and uh, and uh, Shandor Halmoshi in behalf of Balash Otilo. Okay, here we go. Inspired by so inspired by this destiny between two countries, between two nations, which marks uh, is marking in a certain way all of us, which have this this destiny which are uh, in a certain way uh, which are in a certain way predestined uh, between between two cultures i think it 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 caught in a very sensitive sensible sensible way this feeling of uh, uh, this feeling of uh, cutting off roots really one well, really very very beautiful thank you thank yeah. you very much and if time remains at the end, I would also like you, Anna, to maybe to read something in... Uh, are you writing actually originally directly in Hungarian, not in Serbian? Yes, yes, only in Hungarian. I'm translating okay. from Croatian or Bosnian or, in, or from Serbian to Hungarian. No so words. This, this is another very interesting aspect. You are a bridge between those between those uh, those cultures, just as Tommy and Andrei are uh, are bridges between Hungarian and uh, Romanian culture. Uh, thank you very much. Um, and um, now I would kindly ask uh, uh, Mr. Zavada if he would like to uh, he would like to continue uh, to introduce himself. There is a lot, a lot, a lot to be told, and also to read uh, the, the some the poems he uh, he prepared. Once again, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much for <clears throat> inviting me. Um, uh, this is 
Um, this is really a great honor, and it's I don't know, it's, it's just really good to to be here with with you. Um, I would like to um, introduce myself shortly because I think I mean it, it would be. I would feel better if I could read a little bit more and 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 speak a little bit less about myself. Um, I was born and raised in Budapest. Um, I was born in in 1982, and um, and actually I I started off as a musician. Um, I was writing um, songs, lyrics, and then uh, after that. Um, I took part in the initiation of the um, slam poetry movement in Hungary, but this was a long time ago. Um, and when I was around 20, 23, I turned towards written poetry, and ever since I've been publishing poems and and also writing plays. Um, uh, and and my 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 plays are being produced in in um, in various um, theaters across uh, Hungary and and also Budapest. So, so mostly, um, I take interest in theater and poetry, and um, just like Cornelia, um, well, I'm not a scholar uh, of, of theater, but I'm uh, I'm a PhD student at Elta University in Budapest right now, and I'm writing my doctoral thesis on phenomenology in theater. So I'm I'm, I'm pretty caught up in uh, in theater studies as well, and um, some of these themes are. Um, are perceptible or visible in my also in my uh, in my poems, but um, uh, what else should I say? I've had um, three um, po poetry uh, um, collections published um, so far, uh, and one uh, drama book or uh, one one um, book of plays, and. Um, and yeah, and, and I've been participating um, uh, international poetry festivals for the past I don't know maybe um, two or three years. So I'm just a, a beginner in this in this carousal or, or circuit or uh, call, call it as you may. Um, so um, so let me read um, some of my poems uh, if it's if it's okay with you. Um, uh, they are all translated by the wonderful Marg Bassoni, um, who was born in Hungary but then moved to to London and and he lived there for quite a while and he's he's an amazing translator of both prose and poems. So, so my first poems entitled "Thinking." The prettier the coastline, the deadlier it is. We used to say. This time of year, only the pulmonary patients from the sanatorium come here for their lengthy constitutionals. It gets cold at night, cold as the relative tents. We sit in silence as if by the coast. And then I think of those water rescue dogs that stop you swimming and how I can't stand when something sinks. Um, the second poem is uh, entitled Space for Time. There is a shore where it is now a few minutes later. There I already know where this street leads, whose end I cannot see from here. It runs into an alleyway perpendicular to the sea, into which confused seagulls drift time and again, never more to find their way back to the water. 
On that shore, the houses like sunflowers turned unnoticed, following the light, and the darkness that descends all at once re-Christians the squares each night. There I already know that I am the incarnation of ours, and there's no room for the time that keeps piling up. What is still to come crowds out what is passing. I stand always between two events. I hold them apart, not letting them collapse into each other. My hand smooths against the wall of the future. It closes unsuspecting around the cold handle of the door I'm about to open. Maybe it does know something I don't even suspect. It reaches all by itself where it has to, every day outwitting death for me. I do not end with my skin. I cross my boundaries like the sides of a trapezoid. I overflow my perceptible banks. The outside world touches my body seeps in at the pores. I watch the disturbed undulation of your chest. The mass of the moon draws to itself the unsettled sea. Then only the obvious sky, solitude of the mast without a sail, and the bushes as they force the bay into submission. Words would pronounce us, but we keep sticking in their throats, piling up on the breakers of a stutter. The third poem um, is entitled Mortar um, as the substance that you make walls um, with. There is little doubt that all forms of limestone, including some of your bones, were once in solution in the sea, mother. So said the illustrated magazine I read, sitting next to you at the hairdresser's, the dome of your dryer humming reassuringly. Natural processes give you form, and little creatures help secret you. Rainwater high in carbon dioxide ate away at the Earth's crust, it said, and I concluded that you'd been washed into the sea as a big wave of highly concentrated liquid. The humming of the dryer was like the murmur of the sea. Sometimes there was so much limestone in the water, it was deposited as lime mud. There's still quite a lot about, even deep underground. You've been building up all this time. Limestone is good for building with. Whitewash is made from builder's lime. When you died, dad told them to make the house all white. Builder's lime is mostly limestone, calcium carbonate by other name. You are made of little crystals of calcium, mother. Heated to a thousand degrees centigrade, or thereabouts, you separate into carbon dioxide and ca calcium oxide. The carbon dioxide is your soul that passes. What remains is the solid calcium oxide burnt lime. Dad and I took your burned up bones and your emulated blood and softly, softly as a pagan mason sacrificing to his mother earth, mixed you into our mortar to make it set. Although you were there already, every brick we laid that day had fallen down by morning. The visit. These words too we have now threshed, the treasured fibrous wheat of thought, and what was left at the end of that rotted anyway as it does every winter. 
You can feel the warmth of the stables come summer kitchen in your bones. But who knows who's cooking here? The soup is cold, and you were far too liberal with the salt and the tallow. The leaves of the trees have gone black, ruined teeth in the snowstorm's mouth, and the branches of our disquiet are too thick and dark to let anything we could call consolation shine through them. And my last poem um, tied, uh, is entitled Towards uh, the Cabins. This is from the upcoming volume, which is about to be published um, this spring, hopefully. Um, the title is going to be Caring, but this, uh, this poem is entitled Porta Cabins. The routine of Porta Cabins, metal fences, has dissolved into the disinfectant white of waiting rooms, contoured reception desks, hospital green sofas. Habit has been replaced by a sort of determined stubbornness, though as plans go, I would hardly call it daring. It was clear, if I carelessly give way to what by its very nature crops up as temptation, that a single rash decision can bring with it a whole caravan of consequences. I was hard-headed, at long last, determined. I knew if, that if I grabbed the door handle and pushed down, the room would explode into the darkness. I step out and immediately start gaining mass drawn towards the geographical center of the forest, memorable cracks radiating out, branch still, in the nakedness of noise. Only I can be the hero of my poem, and this upside-down glass on the chipboard table, furrowed alienness, or that layer of dust on the tomato, the brownish overripe spots of the peach as they spread out in rings like salt marks, the bright green burgeoning mold. Caring is what I do every day, and that has nothing to do with exhaustion, but the wood still remains stubborn even as it readies to my hands. Through the spade, I see the ore, the cathedral, the quarry, and there's a wound on the site of all creation. I'm full up with the city, long to be back in a purer surface, where the wood is a kindly wastefulness and rambling is time frittered without guilt. But instead, an end of summer feast and orchids, a starry carpet of fluorescent plankton on the front of the laser-wrapped basilica and the product samples in magazines, smart carbon alloys. But what is most convincing in its purposiveness are the geraniums and gentian as history, like a, a Baroque allegory, sprouting out of the ruins. The slow decay of the copse is a chance that I pass up, but it isn't only mine. What I mark out in space, a swollen knot, my associations accrete. The heart of memory suddenly collapses. The valley coils up around me. Look, the marshaled markers of spring the obedient expanding circles of the wind in the middle, a smaller central part surrounded by flowers. Their smoothness stretched tight upon them, their roughness freaking stubbornly out, communicating vessels of the stalks, the truth of the petals taking the place of the bud now.
Thank you very much. So these were my poems. I hope I wasn't too long. Not at all. Not at all. Thank you very much. Um, if I'm not wrong, please correct me if I, if I'm mistaken. Uh, uh, I think that in the sensibility of the third poem, I recognized uh, an excerpt from your second poetry collection, if I'm not wrong. Um, and uh, I repeat, I may be wrong, but I think it was translated into Czech by Daniel Kinova. It, yes, yes, yes. It is. It is. Uh, it is more, more than, more than uh, possible. I, I think because I, uh, not in the last poem, but there was a poem called Mortar, and I think that's well, that's from my second collection, and I think that that very poem was translated by uh, her. Yeah. She's one also one of the most active uh, translators uh, and bridges between the Czech and the Hungarian culture. She translated a lot of uh, Hungarian poets into oh into uh, into Czech. Um, so I thought I, I recognized, if not directly individually, that poem one of uh, uh, some some features uh, with uh, of uh, your uh, of your second uh, collection. So good luck with your new collection you are uh, you are preparing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for your for your poems. And uh, well, I think I will need really need Rick's help in order to decide who is going to follow. So <laughs> a, very, a very hard decision. Um, so Rick, please help me because I don't know whom uh, whom to whom to choose whom to select. So please, I need your help. Well, let's see. Uh, number one, of course, I would always like to hear from Misha. Your work is lovely. But I think Mr. Sandor is up next. <laughs> if you decide like this, I'm always I'm always doing the way you say, you are the producer, <laughs> you are the boss. <laughs> so welcome, Mr. Holmoshi. Um, he, uh, he's going to, uh, talk to, 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 to tell us about uh, Otila Bolosh, who just like Ono Terek is uh, translating from uh, Serbian, has Tanya Notinova is translating into Czech. Also, Otilo is a real bridge between those three cultures, uh, Hungarian, Slovak, and uh, Romanian. And he's also, uh, he's also a publisher. But Mr. Holmosh is going to tell us more and more in detail. Thank you very much. Welcome, uh, welcome here. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation in name of Attila. Is the quality quality of the sound okay? Do you can you hear me? Okay. Um, uh, as you know, Attila is uh, is born in Transylvania in uh, 1954, and he studied he studied uh, theology at first. Uh, and uh, after them, um, he graduated in library science and literary translation in Bucharest. And uh, after the Romanian Revolution in 1999, he moved to Slovakia. And uh, he started a new life, a new period of uh, his life as author, editor, manager, and publisher. And uh, his uh, publishing house, Abart, in um, in Slovakia, um, has been um, had um, published more than I think um, 
thousand titles, titles uh, with a focus uh, on uh, world literature, uh, especially the Central European uh, uh, region, uh, Slovakian, Czech, uh, Czech uh, Romanian, uh, Serbian liter uh, literature in uh, trans translated into uh, both direction and um, of course he is a member of uh, similar associa associations Hungarian and Slovakian Writers Union Hungarian Pen Club and uh, for example the of the European Academy of Science Arts and Letters Paris SAR uh, he becomes uh, more prizes, uh, international prizes. I cannot uh, list them because there are so many. And uh, he's participating in many literature, literature festivals. Uh, he has a lot of volumes, uh, in, inclu including the uh, foreign language volumes and uh, translations more than 80 uh, 40 volumes 40 volumes in Hungarian and foreign languages and as translator he translated uh, more than 40 volumes from the contemporary world, world literature uh, just, uh, just to notice uh, we have uh, we have Refound. We have refound uh, our the publisher Abart in Hungary in Hungary uh, in uh, 2018 together with Attila, and we have uh, opened a new volume of literature contemporary uh, contemporary literature Lira Omnis, and I can show just some examples from authors. This is, for example, on. American author, Italian one, Romanian, French, African, or uh, Vietnamese uh, poetry uh, from the time of the war, Serbian, uh, and uh, from the Romanian, we translate uh, many, many uh, books, uh, more, more uh, dozens. <laughs> I cannot uh, list them. And uh, of course, uh, he's he's part of a Slovakian Hungarian and Romanian Hungarian literature, and of course, of the Hungarian literature. Uh, the these parts of Hungarian literature are very sovereign parts uh, with, with, uh, with our publishers, uh, magazines, uh, literary, literary camps, uh, literary associations, events, of course. But uh, I think uh, he is a very important person for, uh, for, uh, to contact, for contact the, the cultures. Uh, as as um, make some words about uh, his uh, poetry, he describes, uh, I think, uh, the creative absence 
and uh, the dead day after day and of course the resurrection after that day after day and uh, he is looking for the last words always always the last words uh, in Miami, Miami, Trieste, Bucharest, Prague, Budapest, in the world. I, I will try uh, to read some short poems uh, from Attila, Monash. Uh, uh, in February, it will uh, it comes uh, out the fourth uh, English English uh, translated volume of him in New York. Uh, this is the Hungarian book, and from from this uh, volume, I will uh, read some uh, translations. But, uh, very sorry about my pronunciation, English pronunciation. I am not a native speaker, uh, sorry. but I try to do my best. Uh, the hunt for beauty. Time hangs from the clock stand by. The man with the keys locks the grill. He cuts strips from the light. Beauty flows out from the gaps, and the image comes together on the retina. Repainted grills, scatter, share the crumbs, give bread and fish to the hungry crowd, lying promises on the diabolical screens and the alluring posters. Scatter counterfeit silver coins, let them stampede trampling on each other, snorling and beating each other. Practice the gestures, voice programs, until their looks stick to you, like sisters. They will follow you blindly, like the savior, and they will feel free behind the newly painted grills. woman's faith. Where are the men that you used to cook for, that you washed clothes for, and you endured with resignation their slow unliness, their smeary feet, their conceit, their narcissism, their wine bread, their transparent explanations? Where are the men who never brought you flowers? whom you waited from for in vain, who put out their cigarettes on your birthday cake, who abandoned you, who possessed you, then you didn't feel like it, who feel asleep, then you were tor torn with desire. You see, last year's letters crumbled. The apple that stayed on the, on the tree shrived up, the frozen lawn grows green again. The yellow roses begin, roses begin to bud. The stork builds its nest. The bugs and flies come out, fill up with the rays of the sun, 
the wind of change, the wind of change carries those beginning to wake up. You too extricate yourself from the embrace of the God with many arms. You turn your back on your reflection, your reflection in the mirror. I turn sun in my fingers. The broken up remnants of memory steer something in me. I catch myself trying to put together something that is not so different and yet and yet which seems the same or similar. I see my fingers trembling, so I stop. Then so as to relax my muscles, I turn sand in my fingers. Dry dog shit is left in my palm. Then I draw shapes in the sun again and again. I erase signs, lines, circles. How can you create order in the disorder there inside? And the last one, Miami. Nice clown, the light of the moon on the street that is sleeping awake. Poker faces, stretched t-shirts, terminating mounds. One hand in pocket, the other holds a thick, greasy hair, popmer face. Dark eyes as expressionless as a drop of water on the tip of a juicy shoe. His eyes pierce me like X-rays. The city doesn't feel the earthquake, only I do. Hardly I vanish like, like a rainstorm after a heat. Very nice. Very nice. Sorry for my pronunciation. Thank you very much. Really, very, really beautiful. Uh, I'm sorry. I think it was uh, it was a moment of um, disconnect of disconnection. Um, uh, I'm sorry if I talked over you. I I didn't realize because it seems to be silent, but actually it is a small energy here, and uh, uh, and uh, I and uh, therefore I'm so I'm I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, it is I. I remember Otilo's poetry since I have known him very long time. I have been knowing him 15 years. He's a really Central European, uh, Central European, actually a universal personality. But among other things he did, it is also there are also the first anthology of. Uh, Romanian and Hungarian poets from Transylvania in Slovak and in Czech. It was 15 years ago. It was a private initiative of his, ABR, the uh, publishing house you are now coordinating together, um, was only at the beginning. Um, and from his own money, he financed the publishing of those uh, of those. Uh, Anthologies, a really very generous personality, and uh, and a great poet translated into a lot of languages. As you were uh, properly mentioning, his fourth book is going to appear to be published in the United States uh, next uh, next month.
um, the fourth English um, volume, but the first, the first in USA, I think, New York. Uh, oh yes, in English language. I apologize. Yes, translated into English. The rest of ones uh, they were published in uh, uh, in uh, Great Britain, if I'm not wrong, right? Mm, I think yes. Okay. Thank you very much uh, once again. Thank you all. And uh, once again, I have to uh, I have to consult my boss, um, Rick. What do you think? Do we still have time for listening some poems in Hungarian? Thank you very much, all of you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your poetry. It was a honor and a joy to have you here. Good luck in everything in everything you're doing. Thank you, Rick Spisak. Thank you, uh, as uh, Rick Spisak was putting ladies first. Beres Cornelio, Terek Ono, Zavado Peter. Um, Shandor, um, and Balos Otilo. All the best. Thank you very much. Good luck. And we'll be right back. Okay, my friend, we are ready to hear the poets in their own native languages. Do you want to say a word or two about that, sir? Well, I think it's going. It is going to be a very emotional moment, which follows emotional moments of a different nature because uh, something we didn't have the opportunity or didn't have the time to say about Otilo's poetry is that it incomes a very specific um, religious Christian sensitivity um, which uh, from the part of a poet of his dimension of his uh, allure is really, is really impressive. I was comparing this with the very strong and uh, in the same time sensitive it's uh, in its way to poetry by Zavado Peter, uh, two generations of uh, two poets belonging to two different generations and so beautifully complementarily uh, expressing uh, expressing specific uh, specific feelings in uh, uh, through, through their uh, through their creation it is it will be i think very interesting and uh maybe for the majority of uh, our listeners um it will be a kind of uh, first experience hearing hungarian writing poets as they read in their own language so let us uh, prepare for this almost mystic experience thank you brother here we go, part three. Thank you so much, my friend, and we're ready to begin part two of this fantastic meeting with our Hungarian poets. And please feel free to uh, read to us in your native language. We'd be very honored to have that. So may we begin this time with Anna? Of course you can. Ah, you're a generous poet, my dear. A generous oh, poet indeed. <laughs> oh yeah, I need, need to go to English lessons <laughs> to learn more the language. Külföld. A Puskinban sírtam először Pesten. Valami buta filmre ültem be. Nevetséges vígjátékra. Másra nem volt már jegy, másra nem volt már pénzem. És nevetett a moziban ülő másik hatályom. Ember. Hosszú könnyeim lecsúsztak arcomon, a nyakamon végig egészen a lekoltázsomba. 
Már sírva kértem a jegyet. A kasszánál a nő nem nézett a szemembe, és ennek először végre örültem. Mert akkor még kerestem a tekinteteket Pesten. Szeretem volna, ha bárki megkérdi az utcán, hogy mégis mi fáj. Vagy ha legalább néznek rám. Nekem évek kellettek, hogy rájöjjek, itt még vendég sem vagyok, hanem csak társadalmi probléma. Vagy egy nemzeti zűrzavar tartozéka. És egy problémának jobb, ha nincsenek könnyei szemei, tűnik el. A villamoson, ha kanyarodik, vagy ha finoman fékezik, nem simulnak nőkhöz a férfiak. Nem érintik a vállukat, nincsenek életlen egymáshoz hajlások. Pesten nem nézik a férfiak a nőket, pont úgy lesnek rá, mintha szégyelni kéne magukat. Mintha a nők nem tudnák, mintha a nőket nem is kéne nézni. És csak a munkások fütyentenek kötelességből a nők után. Pesten furcsák a férfiak, és furcsák a nők. És én egy ideig hittem, hogy vajdasági lányként inkább vagyok érdekes, mint félelmetes. De a magyar fiúk hátrébb léptek, ha megmondtam, honnan jöttem, az egyetemen azt mondták, nem szert vagyok. És először, először vicces is volt az ötlet, kis fölényességgel ki is nevettem tudatlanságokat. Egyszer egy pesti fiúval beszélgettem, ő is, mint minden pesti fiú, színlelt intelligenciával próbálta menteni menthetetlen sárnyát, okossággal próbálta takarni szokott szorongós tekintetében a dühöz. Megkérdeztem, milyen volt élni a háborúban, és én meséltem neki a számomra természetes üres polcokról, fátlan karácsonyokról, játékos áramszünetekről, detonációtól remegő ablakokról. Nézett rám hosszan, mint aki érteni akarja az érzéseket, és megkérdezte, te is öltél bosnyákot? Az egyetemen azt mondták, hamisítom a papírjaimon álló adataimat, mert annak ellenére, hogy a nevem ékezet nélkül terek, az útlevelemben, én mégis teréket mondok. Nevettem, szerbül ékezett nélkül írják, de attól én még ékezettel vagyok, úgy ejtem. Azt mondták, rendőrt kéne hívniuk, és ne nevessek, inkább örüljek, hogy ilyen elnézőek velem. Mellettem egy amerikai diák érte ki hallgatói jogviszonyát, érdekes módon nem fonetikusan olvasva mondtak ki a nevét, érdekes az is, hogy ebből nem is lett baj. Aztán sírtam én szinte mindenütt esten, a várban, a jégpályán, a hűvösvölgyben, a metrón, a libegőn, a Moszkva téren, a Láncídon, Zuglóban és Kőbányán, az Asztóriánál esőben, a Városligetben, Napsütésben. A tekintetek mindig elsiklottak mellettem, ebben a városban nincsenek tekintetek. Ebből a városból nem lehet kitekinteni, menekülni kéne, de látni sem lehet innét a kiutakat. Aztán lassan a hosszú könnyek egyre rövidebbek lettek. Ma már úgy nézek szemekbe, hogy nem keresek válaszul tekinteteket, már nem nevetek ki leszervezéseket, megelőzendő, nem mondom honnan jöttem, mert nem tudom hová tartsak és hogy kihez tartozzak. Ők szeretnek választani, lehet, hogy mégsem vagyok magyar. Nekem már nincs szép középzárt elbetűm, nekem kezd eltűnni az akcentusom. Csak párbeikelt szerb szó és káromkodás jelző, nem vagyok teljesen magyar. Rajta már nem látszik, hogy szakasz jógó vagyok róla, nem tudja senki, hogy nem tudok vízum nélkül utazni, és hogy az ország határon az összehajtogatott alsó nemimet is darabonként átnézik. Rajta nem látszik, hogy alig van a testi élethez pénzem, hogy dolgozni a munkanélküliségbe fogok jönni haza. De róla mi volt, a testem keresztbe feszül is, hogy máshonnan jöttem. Már nem tudok belesimulni a szabadkai tájba. A lábnyomaimat a sár is visszadobja. Már nem ismerem a főtér minden négyzetméterét, már nem tudom hány dinárba kerül egy vetni kenyér, egy liter tej. Mikor nem tudok örülni a szerbűvöltözésnek, és félek, ha a férfiak egymást verik az utcán. Már nem az enyém a kis erdő, a puha levélsusogás. Zavar, ha nem tudok hajnalban, hajnalban fél ötkor bárhol sós perecet venni, hogy a városi buszokra több mint 10 percet kell várni, hogy az épületek nem is olyan magasak, engem itt van is bántanak csak egy másik akcentus miatt. Nekem nincs saját hivatalos nyelvem, és csak kevert kultúrám van. Már mindegy, milyen nyelven kérem a kenyeret a boltban, és hogy a szerető magyarul mondja, hogy kellenék neki. Nekem már mindegy, hogy decemberben van-e karácsony, és hogy hanyadikára esik új év. Nekem már mindegy nemzetileg hova sorolna, pedig jó lenne végre valahol valóban külföldinek lenni. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you very much. May I trouble you, Cornelia, to uh, also share one of yours in your native tongue? Sure. Thank you, Rick. Uh, so it is going to be um, my poem, Spectator Zero, in Hungarian. Nulladik nézu, árnyék. Lazítsd a nyelved. A tudat elé beparkol egy karaván. Majonfejek burnuszban, bagolycsör, vörössel kenve, bivajli hegés, borztunika, totemkacaj. Piszkos rituálé, zónaidőben. Szakadt arcú, sötét, kis testvérek követnek, követelnek. Hat testbe tömörült ének. Élő közvetítés a tudat aljadékáról. Vajon melyik kedvéért leszek szétesett? Melyikért írok végre valami szépet, gépeset? Lazizen elved, lélegez. Az árnyék technikától látszol csak olyan nagynak óriás. Kontárkodsz a szó elé, mint akinek széles a képe. Legyező vagy, redőny, reluxa. Nagyi utakon uralkodsz, kapósak a költői rosszra. Valaki számított innen árnyék, pedig te láttál, mielőtt a nyelv trónra ült volna. Arhaikus állat, nulladik néző, összegyűrt fejű, vasvillás utazó. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. No, please, Peter, if you would like to read, to choose something from what you read English to translate to reading Hungarian and original language. A mikrofon, Peter, a mikrofon. Yes. There we go. <laughs> Some very good pantomime. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So just a second, because I um, I have to find the one in Hungarian. Okay. So um, uh, the 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 poem um, in English was entitled "The Visit." Um, in Hungarian, it goes like this. Érkezés. Elcsépeltük ezeket a szavakat is, a gondolatok drága szálas gabonáját, és ami a végén megmaradt, ugyanúgy ránk rohadt, mint minden télen. Az istállóból lett nyári konyha melegét már a csontjaidban érzed, de itt nem tudni kifőz, a leves hideg, és túl megengedő voltál a sót és a fagyút illetően. A falevelek végül megfeketettek, szuvas fogak a hóesés szájában, nyugtalanságunk ágai túl sűrűek és sötétek, hogy átragyogjon rajtuk bármi ránk nézve vígasztaló. So this was a short poem in Hungarian. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very, thank you very much. And actually, given the fact that you uh, initially started within that 
uh, experimental slam poetry group. I think that this thing with uh, making the pantomimic with the mute microphone, it was part of a performance, wasn't it? <laughs> it, it was all my life is a performance, actually. <laughs> secretly, I'm taping it. There's this camera, you know, I'm taping it secretly, and you can, there's a secret website you can access, and you can just watch my entire life. So this is what I'm doing. Well, actually, I knew about it. I didn't know whether you want me to tell it or not. But if you told it yourself, <laughs> yeah, I, just, uh, I just came out. I just revealed myself. Yeah. Oh, it is your secret, so you, you revealed it. Now everybody knows it. We are going to access that site. Thank you very much for officializing sure. it. <laughs> so please, uh, Shandor, if you would like to read some in Hungarian something by Otilo, some poem you you. Like. Yes, thank you. I will read um, a short one. Újra festett rácsok. Szórt szét, oszd meg a morzsákat. Vagy kenyeret és halat, az éhes gyülevész hadnak. Hazug ígéreteket, ördögi képernyőkön és sávos plakátokon. Szólj hamis ezüst pénzeket, hadd türekedjenek egymást taposva, vicsorogva, egymást marva. Gyakorold be a gesztusokat, hangozta a szlogeneket, míg tekintetük, mint bogáncs rátapad. Vakon követnek majd, mint a megváltót, és szabadnak érzik magukat az újra festett rácsok mögött. Köszönöm szépen, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Which poem it was from the ones you read? Yes, it was the repainted grills. I understand. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Um, it, uh, I think, it, it was really uh, the one of the important moments of the of the meeting, the uh, poems in the original language, and uh, about the accent. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to mention. I think we, the ones which are divided into, uh, which whose destiny is divided into more cultures, more nationality, wanting it or not we do have accents. I was in my third year of uh, PhD studies in Prague and a student came to me and told me, hey, listen, you are trying, okay, but it is clear you're not a Czech. I say, <laughs> of course, I'm not a Czech. My biography is on internet, so everybody can see I'm, I'm, I'm not a Czech. Okay, okay, you are all like this, you think you are better. Oh, come on, we are not better. I'm trying to to learn this. Okay, no, no way. It's, I'm I'm not upset. Okay, you Moravians are all the same. <laughs> and so I think in Central Europe, as my teacher was pro my professor at the university told me, we are all Moravians. We cannot not having an accent because we are marked by so many cultures. As I was as we were saying before, there are Hungarian uh, poets in uh, all those countries where we were talking about. Uh, there are Romanian poets in Serbia, in Romania, in Moldavia. Uh, newly, there is also a Czech poet of Romanian language, a young lady which in Czech Republic started to write in Romanian. I think for now I am the only one or the only Romanian poet of Czech language, but I think in this part of the world things are so much mixed up and we are so much mutually influenced that actually this region has much more in common than the things uh, than the things uh, dividing us
So thank you very much for your wonderful poetry, for your participation. Now some fire uh, hours are going to follow for Rick uh, for making the uh, editing work. Let's keep fingers crossed for him to uh, to manage all this uh, in time. Uh, before, thank you. my brother, before we let these fine poets go, I would like to ask a question of these marvelous voices that that carry on the legend. You know, so much of the earliest literature of Europe, especially Eastern Europe, was the voices of poets, the voices of folk songs, and and that poetry has such a longevity. Poetry has a vitality that, that the ancient tales that we still have are poets, are the work of poets, the songs of poets, the legends told by poets. And I want you to just reflect for me just a minute. What do you think the work of poetry has to do today? And, you know, in, my, in this country that I live in, poets are regarded as a frivolity, as, a, as an inconsequential side avenue to, to real serious thought and, and serious thinking and serious writing. Rarely in the mainstream of this culture are poets recognized for their, their real vitality and power. And I, and I say to those who doubt, what do they do at football games, at baseball, at sports, which is so crazily valued? Well, they chant. They use the power of poetry to cheer on their teams. That alone, to me, when, when the army goes out into war, because that's so important, they chant. They use poetry to generate the energy. So I ask you, my dear friends and fellow poets, what do you see? And I'm going to ask each of you, Cornelia, what do you see as the work of poetry today? So I'm going first with this very easy question. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. No, it is, it is a very uh, intriguing one. Um, yes, um, I, I, I do think that there is an elemental power of freedom within poetry, exactly what you just described, because it's not in the mainstream. It, 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 actually, it cannot be, as from where I'm seeing, in the mainstream. Uh, so, so for me, it is it is a very important part to have this freedom and have this power of uh, experimentation and experimenting with words. Um, and also, I think this double uh, medial um, bond of poetry, one is with the written form and the other one is that you just described the live form. Uh, life poetry. I, I do think that we need to work on the latter field as well because it includes the performativity of the language, the performativity of of, uh, of poetry. And as you beautifully put it, uh, this this whole uh, tradition, you know, as a performance studies scholar, uh, for me it is very uh, interconnected. Uh, from where I'm seeing poetry, it is in in a realm of of uh, performances, in the realm of um, probably even theatricality. I would say, and I do think that uh, that there is a uh, a power of of, uh, of live language and the power of live encounters. Even if it's happening now, you know, uh, in the in the di digital realm. Uh, but but I do think that uh, it is the power, the live events are the real power of poetry on the one side, and on the other side, the written part is for your deathbed. You know, you're preparing yourself for your deathbed, and and I do think that this uh, duality of of, uh, of potential, this duality of 
uh, of, of poetry, the power of poetry is there. And since it's not in the mainstream, we are very free to, to, to experiment. And thank you for you know, having this podcast, because in this way, we have an opportunity to, to spread the word, I would say. Thank you so much. Sandra, let me ask you, I'm going to break my old rule of ladies first and go to you, sir. And, and I realize it's, it's an extra burden, because I know you're not totally conversant in English to ask you a, such a serious question. But if you would, what are your thoughts? The power of poets today. Uh, I think I will uh, unpopular with my answer. Uh, I am now 49, and uh, still 48 years. I I uh, said, I wrote, I sung, I thought uh, uh, the beauty and the uh, not the beauty, the dichotomy of this life. Sometimes you are angel, but before one, one year, I changed my paradigma, and I think today is not enough to say uh, beauty, beautiful words, because uh, poetry has to, to show how deep is the crisis to be a human. Uh, we are sometimes angels, but the most time we are monsters. And uh, the the crisis is very very deep global. And uh, I think today the poetry has to function as a vaccina to show, look, this is our our monsterness, and wake up. Thank you, sir. Thank you for the thoughtful answer. Can Anna. I just can I just add can I just please add, add, add the please sentence? because. You know, Please. the term of the crisis, it, it kept me because uh, I do think it's very important when we are thinking about the crisis that it is, you know, etymologically also it's the moment, uh, it's a moment of decision, a decisive moment. That's what the word means. Uh, and I do think uh, that, that we need to grab the opportunity uh, that is generated within the times of, of crisis. And uh, in, in this way, yes, I, I think that poetry can have a role uh, in this as well. Sorry. Oh, thank you. Anna. For me, the most important thing in poetry is to connect with people. When you are writing, it's a lonely process. You're always alone. Lonely if you are thinking about those things, about what you want to write something. Lonely is the whole process. But when uh, somebody's got your poem, or in your book, or in the newspaper, or somewhere else, uh, we can connect somehow. I really love those moments when I got mails from unknown persons who just read my poems, and they are always writing a bit about me that uh, they felt the same or they lived the same things. Uh, they went through the same things as uh, as I, or about I wrote. So for me, this is the connection between people between the writer or with the, uh, between the poet and the, the reader or only between the people. Thank you. Peter, let me ask you a special part of that question, if I may, sir. As a, as a playwright, as well as poet, obviously your poetry informs your playwriting, but as carrying that dual burden, both as someone who tries to use the power of theater as well as the power of poetry, a performing poetry, a musician poet. Do you feel that that 
drama can carry a, a significant burden in changing, in challenging that crisis, in bringing us to a better solution to that crisis. Thank you for the uh, question, sir. It's not an easy one. But, no, um, no I, I never ask I, easy yeah. questions. <laughs> I like that. I like, I I I like difficult questions. Yeah, so the first, uh, my, the first part of my answer would be that, um, for me, drama and poetry are, are, are very much interconnected, are very much linked to each other, and I can't really imagine uh, writing a play without um, using the power of poetry. So um, it's, uh, it's really interesting because, as Anna said, um, writing poetry is, is a lonely um, task. We do it mostly uh, alone. But when um, it is on stage, when you can hear your lines recited by uh, great actors and actresses on stage, it's, it's, it's a huge thing. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's even better for me personally. It's even better than, than me myself presenting them or me myself um, um, you know, performing my own, my own poetry. I, I started off as a musician, so I, I had the opportunity to, to be on, 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 on various stages. And, um, and I, I have to tell you that I kind of got bored of it because uh, for some reason, um, these big stages are not, the uh, you know, the, the, the adequate, um, spaces for, for, um, transmitting, real thoughts and real information it's you know um so i you know withdrew into smaller spaces and i started to to read my poems with um with my friend who plays the guitar and you know uh, to to a fewer uh, people to a, a smaller audience and I, I i have to tell you that i enjoy it more uh, and um another thing is that uh, i think the power of poetry is 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 really something that's spreading and growing day by day because of um you know the um the circumstance the circumstances where we are um forced into um um you know being online and being um in these digital spaces and and actually poetry is is a very lucky um genre because because it's mostly you know it's like shorter so you can spread it you can actually put it on on your mobile phone you can put it on facebook you can post it and people actually do read it so we do not we must not underestimate um you know people um or and their interests in 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 poetry so i really like the idea that it's underground and i really like the idea that it's not popular so we can experiment with poetry, but at the same time, more people are interested um, in poetry than we would think. So we, we must not underestimate the power uh, of, of language and of poetry. Thank you, sir. And now, my dear friend Misha, let me ask you, as a poet who, who, who has that special, special sauce to say, poetry alone is not enough, but I must gather to my heart. I must gather to my heart these wonderful poets and help them get out. Sir, you take on such responsibility. It must be humbling. Well, um, it, doesn't, it is not easy, I have to admit. But in the same time, um, uh, I, I think I can base what I'm trying to answer now on what Anna mentioned about the poetry connection pe connecting people and what and what uh, Peter uh, stated about people being more interested in poetry than we can uh, than we can imagine uh, what I perceived 
maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm not, is that if yes, during the last years, more and more people are interested in poetry, is also because of the fact that during the last years, more and more people are writing poetry. Because the, the viewers, the spectators of poetry, little by little, become poets themselves. And because this world of viewers, poets, it's more, it's richer and more complex with every year. And because the ones frequenting uh, poetry shows or poetry readings are uh, more or less themselves poets. This does not mean that poetry becomes a close circle, only poets for poets reading, but that this circle is, I think, opening more and more to people initially only interested in poetry, which become poets themselves because uh, because they like what they see, because they like what uh, what uh, what they are hearing, and um, I think. I'm a translator myself. I'm uh, translating mainly from Czech, Slovak, and Polish into uh, into Romanian. And uh, in order to at least partially answer Rick's question, you know, we are neighbors here. We all live in this part of, of Europe. We know a lot of things about the American poetry, the French poetry, the German poetry. It is great. It is really wonderful. But very next to the next to us very close to us are wonderful poets only 500 kilometers of us thousand kilometers of us wonderful poets we don't know almost anything about only because or if if, uh, if ever only if they are translated into an international language so i think that in order for poetry in order for it to be able to uh, to fulfill this connecting role. Um, we should know much more about the poetry very close to us. Concretely, Romanians about Hungarian poetry, Hungarians about Romanian poetry, Romanians about Czech and Slovak poetry. It is quite sad from my point of view that today I am the only the only translator in Romania from Czech which takes care of poetry. All the other ones are translating only novels, uh, eventually theater plays, because they are much better paid. I can understand this, but poetry deserves more. And let me end by telling you a short, uh, almost happening, I would say, uh, which, uh, which uh, actually uh, testifies about the poetry being able so much to connect people. It was a couple of years ago, and together with my uh, at times girlfriend, we were invited to a wedding. Usually, when people being invited to a wedding, they are invited in order to to have some food, to have some drink, to say all the best, and all. And eventually, if they are, if they know how to sing or to play, in order to sing or to play, because at weddings people want to dance, they invited us there for reading poetry. It was quite unique in my life that at a wedding they wanted to hear poetry. And mm. their, their final, their, afterwards we found out that there were actually two poets which were getting married and that it was actually a gathering of, uh, of poets too. 
but this tells something about the poetry becoming more and more generous and more and more available for larger circles of people. So I wouldn't be pessimistic and I am I'm very happy I'm very happy to uh, to uh, to fulfill this big amount of work that is uh, that supposes uh, bringing if not people at least poets together. Then let me ask one more indulgence for my good brother. How about if you read one too? And your choice, English or another language. Now, I think this was the moment where we had that little technical problem. Uh, maybe we're frozen up. Mm. Yeah. Well, in that case, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much. I can't tell you my heart is brimming. Uh, Misha, your your back, so you froze up for a moment. Would you like to recite something? Well, in the uh, in the record, uh, frozen I wasn't again. Frozen. Okay. Well, in that case, thank you again, <laughs> my friends. Uh, with any luck, we'll have this up today. If not, watch for it in the next few days, and it'll be up for months and months. So thank you Rick, again. Thank you. No, we thank you for your for your um, help and your enthusiasm. It was really it was really a, a wonderful experience talking to you. So so thanks for the invitation. Yeah. Rick and Mircea, please um, tell tell him uh, in case he he won't be able to to hear that. But we are really really grateful. It was such a generous offer, and I think we all really enjoyed it. Or oh, that's what I yeah. what what I yes. observed. Oh, yes. Thanks a lot. Our, Best regards to, to Mircea, okay? Okay. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes, sir. Misha, sir, you've got a chance to hear that close that uh, you got interrupted for last time. What are your final thoughts after this amazing reading? Well, what can I say? First of all, um, I have lived again, I have felt again the whole emotion, the whole emotional dimension of this recording. And uh, I would like to, before saying anything else, I would like to thank again our distinguished guests, wonderful poets and scholars and playwrights uh, and translators uh, from or into Hungarian for this uh, amazing episode, and to you, Rick, for uh, coordinating and uh, managing this uh, uh, this uh, very peculiar and uh, special initiative uh, of uh, of uh, focusing on the poetry of this uh, uh, of this region of Europe and uh, and the world. Um, it was. It was very emotional and a little bit also embarrassing, of course, that moment when I lost connection. I tried to reconnect, um, but it was already too late. And uh, I uh, and then I tried writing you on Messenger, on Skype. I'm sorry, I had some technical problems and so on and so on. So actually, thanks to this uh, episode, thanks to this uh, uh, record, I uh, lived again, I felt again all those emotions uh, as it happened uh, last Saturday. And uh, 
I really think, uh, and I I hope you agree that it was one of the most impressive and uh, uh, the most uh, managed, one of the best episodes of our uh, of our uh, series. Um, this, in spite of uh, uh, technical problems, uh, I was very sad about last week, but uh, which now, after listening minute by minute to this episode, I consider as being past and uh, minor. Uh, thank you very much, Rick. Thank you very much, uh, dear uh, Hungarian poets, for this uh, amazing episode, for this amazing afternoon in Tennessee, evening here in Central Europe. My brother, I can't thank you enough for your generosity in bringing these poets together and coordinating that. I know how hard that can be, uh, juggling schedules, juggling appointments, uh, not to mention the technical challenges of communicating across all of these uh, interesting artifacts. But we're going to continue this amazing, amazing journey through Europe's poets. And uh, you're going to come back. And I, I ask you once again, my dear brother, Misha, Next time, I want you to bring some of your own work as well, okay? Thank you very much. I will be honored. And uh, I, if you allow me, I would like to uh, uh, remind that in a two weeks' time, that means February 20th, we will have a new episode from Poets of the East with uh, the thematic poetry and translating poetry in Central Europe poets and translators. That means poets which have also as a very important part of their activity translating poetry. I can already uh, I can already mention that confirm the participation of uh, uh, Andrei Dusha, uh, excellent poet and translator between Hungarian and Romanian, and uh, Natalia Nera, uh, a great, a very sensitive poetess and translator and also publisher from the Czech Republic. I'm still, uh, I'm still uh, looking for the, for the third guest. Okay. Well, my brother, thank you again from the bottom of my heart for making these so amazing. And we'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank you very much. Good luck in everything. Thank you, Rick, and uh, see you or hear you next week and all the Saturdays afterwards. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks again. Bye-bye. And thank you all for tuning in. Have a wonderful week, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.